2: You feel good,
1: and then you fall asleep. I'm Catherine Nikolai. I write and read all the stories you hear on Nothing Much Happens. Audio engineering is by Bob Wittersheim. My book,
0: also called Nothing Much Happens, is available wherever books are sold. For extra coziness, follow us on Twitter, Instagram,
1: or Facebook, and you can always learn more or get yourself a cozy Nothing Much Happens hoodie at nothingmuchhappens.com. Let me say a bit about how to use this podcast. I have a simple story to tell you to help you relax and drift off to sleep. Not much happens in it, and that's kind of the idea. It's just a cozy place to rest your mind. I'll read the story twice, and I'll go a little bit slower the second time. If you find yourself still awake at the end of the second telling, don't worry. That is sometimes how it goes. Relax. Walk yourself back through whatever bits of the story you can remember. Lean into them. And before you know it, you'll be waking up tomorrow feeling refreshed and calm. This is a kind of brain training. We're training
0: your brain to follow along with the shape of the story, like an upturned leaf floats along on the surface of a river. Each time you use a story to settle your mind, it will
1: happen more quickly and with more ease, so have some patience if you're new to this. Now, it's time
2: to tuck in, turn off your light, put
0: down all of your devices, stretch deep into your sheets, and settle yourself into your favorite sleeping
1: position. Whatever you have done today,
2: it is enough. There's nothing you need to keep track of. You can let go.
0: Take a slow breath in through your nose and sigh it out of your mouth.
1: Nice. Let's do that again. Breathe in and out. Good. Our story tonight is called Touchstone, and it's a story about finding something unexpected in one's path. It's also about the way we think as children,
2: thunder and lightning, and what we find when we keep our eyes open. Touchstone there are certain objects which seem to land in my hands over and over. I have a friend who finds feathers wherever they go, stuck between the pages of a library book, under the windshield wiper of their car, in their mailbox, among the
1: bills and letters. Different kinds, from different birds. Some big and old, as if they'd come off a lady's hat from the twenties. And others tiny and light, freshly fallen from a fledgling.
2: But always feathers.
1: Maybe this has happened to you. You might find
0: keys in the pockets of thrifted jackets or foreign coins from countries you've never visited in the back of your dresser drawers.
1: Maybe it's fountain pens,
2: and they show up in the pencil cup on your desk, even though
1: you're sure you didn't put them there. Or perhaps when you open your glove box and rummage around for a napkin. You come away with a handful of tokens from an arcade that closed when you were too young to see into the game cabinets. For me, it's stones.
2: Ever since I was a child, they have shown up, and not just in the garden where you'd expect to see them. I found them in the toes of
1: shoes I'd worn just the week before, on window ledges in the back corridors of libraries, and once, when I'd reached up into the lampshade of a reading light on the screened-in porch of a little rented cabin by the lake, a smooth, flat circle of stone fell from where it was balanced somewhere near the
2: bulb right into my hand. When I was young, I'd heard the word touchstone and taken it quite literally. I'd interpreted it through the lens of kid logic and felt sure it must mean a stone that when you touched it, gave you
1: some sudden burst of knowledge or power or transported you in an instant to a faraway place.
2: So whenever I'd find another stone popping up in my path, I'd wrap my hands around it and close my eyes and wait to see what happened. And I must say that, even though I was never swiftly
1: gifted with a superpower or opened my eyes to find I'd traveled at light speed to a market in Marrakesh, or an empty moor in Scotland, I did always feel I'd learned something.
2: I've never been much of a collector, preferring the feeling of letting go to that of holding on. So most of the time when I found a stone, I'd carry it for a while. I'd hold it like I had as a child and wait for it to tell me its message. And then I'd leave
1: it in some out-of-the-way spot where I thought it might catch the eye of someone who had an eye open for it. I feel like it was meant for them to find,
2: which, of course, it was. Often it spent just a few hours in my pocket as it went from the library window to the top of the letterbox by the park. But some journeys were longer. Once, on a beach, on another continent, at the base of a cliff that held a tiny
1: town a thousand feet above the sea, I'd found a piece of smooth ceramic painted in the bright yellows and blues traditional to that place. I'd carried it till a year later on a hike in a dry canyon that had been cut from the mountains in the Paleozoic era, where I found a small cave in the chasm wall
2: that was just a few feet deep.
1: I left it with its painted side turned down to the red dust, wondering what
2: someone would think when at some point it was picked up and turned over. Is there a better gift to give someone than a moment of
1: wonder? It cuts through the blurry static of background thoughts and gives you a genuine experience of surprise.
2: And that's a rare and lovely thing. A dozen years ago, in the middle of the summer and late at night, it had begun to storm. Rain poured down and thunder drummed through the woods at my back door. I
1: watched from the window in my dark bedroom as a jagged leg of lightning reached down and
2: pointed its toes into the forest.
1: The next day, under dripping branches but now a clear blue sky, I tromped out In my hiking boots and after a long walk found a tree split and fallen on a ridge
2: the ground around it was singed and cracked open and i squatted down to look into the earth there was a craggy uneven stone as big as my palm and heavy I lifted it out, and stuck to one side was an old steel nail. Lodestones are magnetized clumps of mineral, and while they
1: sometimes occur naturally, they can also happen when a piece of magnetite is struck by lightning as it had here, in the broken dirt in the woods.
2: I'd heard the word before, lodestone, and had thought that the meaning had something to do with direction, with being shown the way. I'd tucked the stone into my bag and carried it home, where I sat with it, my Oxford English Dictionary
1: open in front of me, having decided not to trust what might again be mixed-up kid logic. I learned that a lodestone
2: was so named because their magnetic properties had helped to make early compasses they'd led sailors out onto the sea and into adventure. The word load, it had meant at the time, way or course or journey. I wondered if all the stones I'd found in my life were trying to point me somewhere, or if they were just encouraging me
1: to keep stepping out onto the path, to have those moments of marveling at the find. I thought it was probably more the latter
2: than the former. After all, they were just stones, and I was the sailor. When I was younger and I found a stone, I looked around, trying to see where it had come from and who had left it. Now, when I find one, I look for where I can leave it and who can be the next person to be surprised by the world. Touchstone there are certain objects which seem to land in my hands over and over. I have a friend who finds feathers wherever they go, stuck between the pages of a library book,
1: under the windshield wiper of their car,
2: in the mailbox, among the bills and letters. Different kinds, from different birds. Some big and old, as if they'd come off a lady's hat from the twenties. Another's tiny and light, freshly fallen from a fledgling, but always feathers. Maybe this has happened to you. You might find keys in the pockets of thrifted jackets, or foreign coins from countries you've never visited in the back of your dresser drawers. Maybe it's fountain pens, and they show up in the pencil cup on your desk, even though you're sure you didn't put them there. Or perhaps when you open your glove box and rummage around for a napkin,
1: you come away with a handful of tokens from an arcade that closed when you were too young to
2: see into the game cabinets. For me, it's stones. Ever since I was a child, they have shown up. But not just in the garden
1: where you'd expect to see them. I found them in the toes of shoes I'd worn just the week before. On window ledges in the back corridors of libraries. And once, when I'd reached up into the lampshade of a reading light. On the screened-in
2: porch of a little rented cabin by the lake a smooth, flat circle of
1: stone fell from where it was balanced somewhere near the bulb right into my hand.
2: When I was young, I'd heard the word touchstone and taken it quite literally. I'd
1: interpreted it through the lens of kid logic and felt sure it must mean a
2: stone that when you touched it gave you some sudden burst of knowledge or power or transported you in an instant to a far away place.
1: So whenever I'd find another stone cropping up in my path. I'd wrap my hands
2: around it and close my eyes and wait to see what happened. And I must say that even though I was never swiftly
1: gifted with a superpower, or opened my eyes to find I'd traveled at light speed to a market in Marrakesh
2: or an empty moor in Scotland. I did always feel I'd learned something. I've never been much of a collector, preferring the feeling of letting go to that of holding on. So most of the time, when I found a stone, I'd carry it for a while. I'd hold it, like I had as a child, and wait for it to tell me its message. And then I'd leave it in some out-of-the-way spot where I thought it might catch the eye of someone who had an eye open for it and feel like it was meant for them to find, which, of course, it was. Often it spent just a few hours in my pocket. And it went from the library window to the top of the letterbox by the park. But some journeys were longer. Once, on a beach, on another continent, at the base of a cliff that held a tiny town a thousand feet above the sea.
1: I'd found a piece of smooth ceramic painted in the bright yellows and blues
2: traditional to that place. I'd carried it till a year later on a hike in a dry canyon that had been cut from the mountains in the Paleozoic era where I found a small cave in the chasm wall that was just a few feet deep. I left it with its painted side turned down to the red dust, wondering what someone would think when, at some point, it was picked up and turned over. Is there a better gift to give someone than a moment of wonder.
1: It cuts through the blurry static of background thoughts and gives you a genuine experience
2: of surprise. And that's a rare and lovely thing A dozen years ago, in the middle of the summer and late at night, it had begun to storm. Rain poured down, and thunder drummed through the woods at my back door. I watched from
1: the window in my dark bedroom as a jagged leg of lightning reached down and pointed its toes into the forest.
2: The next day, under dripping branches, but a now clear blue sky, I tromped out in my hiking boots and after a long walk found a tree split and fallen on a ridge. The ground around it was singed and cracked open and I squatted down to look into the earth. There was a craggy uneven stone as big as my palm and heavy. I lifted it out and stuck to one side was an old steel nail. Lodestones are magnetized clumps of mineral and while they
1: sometimes occur naturally, they can also happen when a piece of magnetite
2: is struck by lightning, as it had been here, in the broken dirt, in the woods. I'd heard the word before, lodestone and had thought that the meaning had something to do with direction, being shown the way.
1: I tucked the stone into my bag and carried it home where I sat with it,
2: my Oxford English Dictionary open in front of me, having decided
1: not to trust what might again be mixed-up kid logic.
2: I learned that a lodestone was so named because their magnetic properties had helped to make them early compasses. They'd led sailors out onto the sea and into adventure. That word, load, it had meant at the time, way, or course, or journey. I wondered if all the stones I'd found in my life were trying to point me somewhere, or if they were just encouraging me to
1: keep stepping out onto the path, to have those moments of marveling at the find.
2: I thought it was probably the latter more than the former. After all, they were just stones, and I was the sailor. When I was younger, and I found a stone, I looked around, trying to see where it had come from. And who had left it. Now, when I find one, I look for where I can leave it, and who can be the next person to be surprised by the world. Sweet dreams.